You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network is fueled by joy. Joy Dog Food has been in business for many decades, since the 1940s. They've never had a recall. They only use 100% American-made products to bring you a dog food formula that is going to keep your hounds on their feet and performing at a high level. Late round bound, the next bear race, the next cat race, whatever you got going, Joy can keep your dog fueled up. I personally feed Joy for this reason. They are not afraid to get in the trenches and get in the fight. They will show up at a local meeting where people are trying to pass tethering laws or uh, breeders bills or whatever and put their name on that and put their reputation on the line to support us. So find Joy Dog Food on the internet, find that dealer locator, find a dealer near you. Go to joydogfood.com and keep those hounds fueled by joy. Chris Saunders, who you're about to hear, is an interesting guy. Uh, for years I've sat out and in front of the clubhouse at the World Hunt in Salem and at Super Stakes and other places and uh, visited with Chris when I've seen him. Uh, I knew a little bit about him. You know, I knew he was he was hunting dogs that he raised and trained, which is, you know, not always the case out there at the events we attend. And, uh, you know, I, I could tell he was a dog man. And he'd done some winning. I thought I would invite him on here. I, he's always a good conversationalist. Uh, but I was really surprised. I learned some stuff about Chris that I didn't know, that he was born in Brooklyn, how he started coon hunting, stuff like that. Very interesting stuff. And I want to just say that after this podcast, we recorded this podcast on Wednesday. And uh, Wednesday night, Chris took flex and won early, won late, moved him on to the quarterfinals. And, uh, you know, I just, I want to say congratulations to him too. It was a fantastic podcast. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, Chris was fun. Uh, we had a good time and I think this is what, you know, these podcasts are supposed to be, you know, we're just two guys talking dogs and, uh, I think it turned out really well. So enjoy. 
The Truth is sponsored by Havoc Hunting Supply. When you are looking for high-quality gear, go to the people that understand the demands you put on your gear. Havoc has a full line of top-quality hunting gear that meets those demands. Rugged hunting vest for the big game houndsman to the sleek, high-speed low-drag vest for that late-round bound competition hunter. Havoc has what you need. The Havoc website features a complete line of hunting gear for the serious houndsman, and they feature that iconic Havoc logo. Go to HavocHuntingSupply.com and order your gear today. It's time to turn the hounds loose. It's time to wreak some havoc. Welcome to The Truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network, and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by my friend, Mr. Chris Saunders. We are on location out of the world hunt, and we are telling our woes of a couple cast losers right now, ain't we, Chris? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. Let's start with this week. Chris, how's your week been so far out here at Salem? Not too good. Uh, got beat on the tiebreaker last night, and then Monday I lost by 50 or 25. Yeah. You guys treat several coons in your cast? Uh, we treated, uh, scored on four monday and uh three last night that ain't bad yeah given the conditions you know how bone dry it is well got that rain came in today did it rain i've been down south all morning did it rain pretty good here it did rain um it rained pretty good earlier we'll see how much of that moisture i mean it's so dry just gonna soak soak it right up that's what i'm afraid of too but we treat a, a fire out of coons on Monday night. Huh. 11 coons scored in our cast, or 10. Wow. We had another one after the hunt that didn't matter. We scored 10 coons. I treat three coons off to myself and got beat. Wow. That's, <laughs> that, that's tough. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one to yeah. take. But uh, you're hunting Flex up here. I am. You've had Flex for quite a while now. He was born in my house. I thought he was. Yeah. And he's he's a seven-year-old, right? Seven years old. Yeah. Spring, spring dog. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought him and Con came up through the same super stakes, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. Tell us about Flex. Uh, Flex is out of a female I had called Smirk. And uh, Smirk was out of Trick. And Trick was out of Jinx. Some people might remember a dog I had called Jinx about yeah. 25 years ago. And uh, what they are is trailing dogs that will treat coon. Yeah. That, you know, good mouths, big motors, like to be by themselves. Uh, kind of, some people might call them old fashioned. Yeah. Because they'll, they'll trail. I mean, if coon aren't on the ground walking on beat, they won't hardly treat a laid up coon. But. They'll also treat dinosaur tracks. Yeah. Is that the kind of dog you prefer? Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm hit or miss. It seems like when I'm hunting one of them trailing type dogs, that's what scent is. You know, scent needs a track. Mm-hmm. She's not going to treat a coon without a track very often. And when she does tree a layup coon, it's the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. I mean, she just beats it to death before yep. she'll find a tree on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it seems like when I'm hunting a dog like that, and then you need them to make that one tree you know maybe even if it's a circle tree or something you're tied in a circle tree will break the tie break or something and you're begging for something that'll just get wooded and then yeah. sometimes when you got stuff that'll just get wooded you're begging for something that'll trail too much yeah i mean and when i when i say they're trailing dogs they'll make three trees in an hour yeah you know maybe four if coon are moving yeah if the tracks are good if the if they've yeah. if they've walked at all um but tremendous noses um just you know as long as a coon is walking and they're 
good enough hunting dogs, they can usually find where yeah. one is walked. Yeah. Uh, what about their mouths? They got good mouths. Really good yeah. mouths. I, say, I thought Flex. I think I drew Flex one time. Oh, oh my goodness gracious. Look who's walking in the door. <laughs> it's John Strickland and Jeff Rickless. <laughs> and they're doing all, they're making lewd gestures, the whole work. Hey, you're finally doing a podcast with a good man. Been with the sport forever. Finally, I did one with that guy right next to you. Yeah, Strickland says, Welcome to the club, Saunders. I'm glad we yeah. didn't have them two mic'd up. <laughs> well, it would have really been fun. But no, we're, we are on location at the same place. It was this time last year when I did the Big Country podcast with Ashley and Chris, or Ashley and, uh, and Strickland right here in this very room. So this room's getting some history, you know, as the podcast era goes. But. Yeah. We'll get back to back to some of them dogs, but Chris, me and you visit. It seems like at the World Hunt, you know, we, we're up there and we visit two or three years in a row. So I'm kind of happy to get you on here because we've had some good conversations in the past. But uh, tell me how you got started doing this. How, who got you into this sport? Uh, well, it would have been about. I actually started out with rabbit dogs. Um, a buddy I played high school football with. Him and his grandfather were beagle men yeah and uh so i i would chase rabbits with beagles for years not years but throughout high school and then uh my senior in high school a guy i worked with had some sons that had what he called coon dogs and uh so we went coon hunt one night and and lucked out and treated coon yeah that was a lucky deal to treat coon yeah 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 we was lucky to treat that one And uh, within two weeks, my dad said, you can keep a dog, but you ain't keeping a bunch of dogs. Yeah. Uh, my two beagles were gone, and uh, I went searching. You know, I didn't have yeah. anybody. I didn't have a mentor when it came to coon dogs. So I went and bought one off the chain. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know if he, he did tree a coon or two. But I chased that joker for probably nine months. <laughs> and he would uh, he would rather run a fox like back then. And we're talking yeah. early 80s. Yeah. He'd rather run a fox than he would tree a coon. But that wasn't uncommon oh, back no, then. Oh, no. No, dogs yeah. were born junky yeah. back then. Yeah. And uh, I was fast enough and young enough. I could literally run to a tree. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to run when he got treed or he'd leave. And I uh, had him for a while. And then uh, he actually got shot. Landowner shot him, and uh, I went and bought a pup. What about you said the landowner shot him? What about the ground that you were hunting out there? Because were you raised in a fairly urban area, oh, a rural yeah. area? No, no, I was raised in an urban area. Yeah. Uh, my my hunting stuff. I was actually born in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. And then uh, we. I did moved, not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, That's I was cool. Born in Brooklyn, and uh, we moved to Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. And. Um, Dayton's, you know, not a huge city, but I could be out places to hunt in right. 20 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, I just out in the spot. And, he, and I, I was fine where I started. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. But you're hunting a trashy dog, no telling where you end up. Yeah. Even back then. Um, but once that dog got killed, honestly, I hate to say this, but it's probably the best thing that ever happened. Yeah. Um, I was getting the cooner, you know, and... and and uh, uh, the bloodlines. There was an ad in the in the book for puppies. Yeah. 
Now, keep in mind, I've never really hunted with a coon dog. I've just chased this English dog. He was actually supposed to be a walker dog, but he was a red tick <laughs> English. English That's how little I knew. <laughs> um, I've chased this joker for about 10 months. And uh, Emmett Brohart had an ad in the, in the magazine. Now, Emmett lived for in Greenville, which is about a 45, 50-minute drive. So, uh, you know, I'm young and wound up. And, mm-hmm. But I've never hunted with a coon dog before. And he had some pups advertised out of Stout's Mill Stormy. If people remember Stout's yeah. Mill Stormy. So I pull up in Emmett's house, and, you know, he's from West Virginia, man. I mean, he could sell ice to an Eskimo. Yeah. And uh, I pull up in the driveway, and he says, how you doing, young man? And, you know, I introduce myself. And I'm in awe because I've seen mm-hmm. his picture and stuff. We go hunting that night. And Stormy treat two coons so fast that I'd never seen a dog treat coon like that. Yeah. I mean, he literally trailed a coon up and we recast him and he went, he didn't go a hundred yards, fell tree and had another one. So I bought a little pup off Stormy and, um, she was the type of dog that we hunt today. Really? Back then cast lasted three hours. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have collars at all. Didn't even have beep beep collars. Only one time in our life did I ever turn her loose and have her come back to me. And the time that she did come back, I was so happy I dove to catch her because <laughs> I just knew I'd be, you know, another yeah. day catching her. But yeah. I caught that little female bell, and um, she was a total natural. Uh, born absolutely junkie, though. Yeah. You say that she was a born natural stuff. How'd you, I mean, because you said you were green as grass. Yeah. How'd you train that pup? I literally trained that pup walking along through the woods, just me and her. Yeah. Um, I may have shown her a cage coon or something, but she was about seven months old. She was six months old when I just started. Mm-hmm. We just take a stroll, you know. Yeah. And at about six and a half, seven months old, she started training. I mean, she was running before then, mm-hmm. but she wasn't running coon. And uh, she's about seven months old. She trees a coon. And I'm so excited, I can't wait to call him at the next day. I call Emmett. Yeah. Emmett says, well, come on up here, buddy. Let's, you know, and I drag her up there, and buddy, she's by now she's seven and a half months old. And, I mean, she literally, she was a trailing dog that was a one-bark tree dog. Yeah. Whenever she located, she was done. Never budged an inch and was, was a loner. That was rare back then with little pups. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd get that sometimes. They'd be two, two and a half before you'd get that out oh, of them yeah. a lot of times. Back then, back you know, in that area. people think they're 16 months old before they start treating, yeah. and that was that was normal. That but, was a young pup. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, she was about seven months old. So, so once I got Bell going, uh, Emmett took me under his wing. I mean, he says, hey, anytime you want to go hunting, you just come on up. Well, heck, I wore the, I wore the interstate out. Yeah. I'd go up there a couple nights a week. How far was Emmett from you? 45, 50 yeah. minutes, maybe an hour. What did your dad think about you making all these trips into West Virginia chasing these dogs well, out all night? Now, Emmett lived in, he lived in Greenville. He's, from West, He's Virginia, from West Virginia. He's from West Virginia. But you. he lived in Greenville. But they didn't know what to think. But then, you know, as far as they were concerned, if I was going hunting and I wasn't in trouble, right. you know right. what I mean? So they, they, I think that's a big part of why they were like, well, if he says he's going hunting, yeah. we know he's going hunting. Coming from Brooklyn, uh, I assumed your parents weren't big outdoorsmen and women. Um, my father, he, uh, my mother, and father got divorced when I was like seven or eight. Yeah, he fished a little bit, 
uh, he wasn't wasn't a houndsman at all. Yeah. And any any hunting he did, which was only deer hunting, when he did it, very seldom was more socializing right. than, than real hunting. Yeah. So you know everything I did when it came to coon hunting or squirrel hunting or turkey hunting has all been self taught. Right. I didn't have right. anybody to. But when it came to the coon dogs, Emmett, I mean, like when he said you come up anytime, I'd go up there three nights a week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was out of high school by then. I'd drive up to Emmett's and we'd hunt half the night. Emmett did not work. Yeah. You know, he was a salesman. Yeah, he just hunted and sold stuff. I, I would uh, drive up there and we'd hunt half the night and I'd wake up and leave his house and drive straight to work. Mm-hmm. So I hunted that dog and then uh, I was actually going to college at night, going to school at night. I worked during the day. And then I switched and started working at night and going to school during the day. My job transferred me up to a place called Oscoda, Michigan. So I took Bell up there. And this is back in the days when coon were worth money. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you could literally make good money. Yeah. And uh, I took her up there, and I was poor as a church mouse. I mean, I was broke. And then had a little, tiny little place that I rented, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, ate a lot of squirrels and salmon because I <laughs> couldn't afford it to go to the grocery store. <laughs> And but she kept me in money. Yeah. But I mean, and then uh, I kept that female, kept Belle, and I got transferred to Savannah, Illinois. And uh, I took Belle and uh, drove to John Wick's house and bred the stylish banjo. No kidding. And uh, I got those pups off of her. I sold her because uh, money got really, yeah. really tight. But I had two pups out of that litter, both of which made something. But I'm out there in Illinois, and I'm working a dead-end job. And I thought, man, if I'm ever going to make this move. So I actually uh, quit my job and moved back to Dayton to finish college. Yeah. And uh, I knew if I had coon dogs while I was in school, that wasn't going to work. Right. I'd be hunting instead of studying. So I think I had about two years of college left. I went about two years, but I had a buddy that, you know, I hunted with back in, back in around Dayton, Pat Killam. He hunts leather dogs, yeah. his, his yep. kennel name. Me and Pat hunted a bunch together. I mean, a bunch. What was it like going out there? Because you know how it is. And I took a break with my, when my kids were small and I was traveling and stuff. And I didn't, didn't think I could do a hound justice. And I didn't have time when, when the kids were small. I wanted to be with the kids, too. So I took a little break. But I would go hunting open a night of coon season with some friends or go with my brother if I, if I had time or something like that. And it, it's just not the same when it ain't one of your dogs. No, out there. it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Only time I hunted then those, most of them two years was, uh, over the break, like the holidays, yeah. Pat, he lived close by. So I'd, me and him would go, but like I said, it's not the same if you don't have your own right. dog. But, um, so I finished school and, uh, this is where jinx comes into play. It had been three or four years, you know, mm-hmm. and I actually called the guy that bought Belle and tried to get a pup out of her, but she, he said, buddy, he said, if if I could get a pup out of her, everyone she'd ever have would be sold. Yeah. But um, she hemorrhaged and he had to have her fixed. So I'm thinking, man, how do I get back into this? And I, I really liked the pups I had out of Stylish Banjo. Yeah. And... Uh, 
So I'm looking around, looking around, looking around, and, and I see an ad for puppies. And uh, it was a female called Stylish Thunder Girl. We called her Girly. Mm-hmm. And they took Girly and they bred her to Whitey, the original Whitey, yep. Stylish Clover. Clover. And uh, drove up to Gary Breidenbaugh's house and bought Jinx. And to this day, that's probably been close to 30 years. You know, everything in my kennel except for one dog, which I bought to breed to him, yeah. goes back to Jinx. So that's how, how I got many to. How many generations off Jinx is Flex? Uh, five, I believe. Yeah. yeah, he's five deep. Tell me about tell me about Jinx. What kind of dog was he? What did you do with him? All that stuff. How did he start? Um, he was a tough dog to get started, and that's not, not, uh, that's not atypical for my dogs. Yeah. Um, take him hunting, even when he's just a little baby, six months old, take off and be gone, him and one other dog. Mm -hmm. His mom, as a matter of fact, she'd get treated and he'd be over here left field, five or 600 yards. So, you know, it's... And what year was that when you were starting him? Uh, he's seven now. Okay. So it would have been 15. Yeah. About 15. And that started, well, he's born in 15. You know, we're talking 2016 yeah. when I started. Well, no, I'm the Jinx. When you, oh, when gosh, Jinx. Jinx. Uh, maybe 91. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, 90, 91. And it was Jinx an independent? Yes. Born see, that way. Yeah. And see, that was rare Yeah, back then. Yeah. He was six months and 23 days old when he treated his first coon, when he made his first tree. Yeah. And when he made his first tree, he was in a fence row by himself, 350-something yards from yeah. the dogs that were working. But um, getting flex started was was pretty tough. I mean, it just I'd take him hunting, and he'd be over there in left field someplace, you know, running around, and his mama would be over here treating. And then I finally realized, I was like, man, I've seen this before. Trick was the same way. Yeah, I had Trick and Shiver at the same time. They were both out of jinx. Shiver would tree a coon, and Trick would be way over here in left field by herself. And one night, I was going to actually, I'm like, man, I don't know if she's ever going to make a tree. Yeah. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take her by herself. First time I took her by herself, trick trees a coon. Really? I'm going through the same thing with Flex. I'm like, you know what? I've seen this before. Hmm. First night I take him hunting, he trees a possum. I thought, buddy, get your possum, get your coon. Yeah. So, uh, I don't pet up on him or nothing, but I just kind of, you know, walk in there and ease him off. And but I got I got a nice little greasy hole for you tomorrow night. Yeah. And I took him in that greasy hole and he trees a coon and that was it. Done deal after yeah, that. He just he just. But his sister's the same way. Yeah. She never would tree with other dogs. What's her name? Uh, Moxie. Moxie. Yeah. yeah. I thought I knew that, but I couldn't think of it right yeah. offhand. Was Jinx the uh, first one you started competition hunting? No. No, I had uh, well, I I hunted Bell. Oh, uh, no, did you? Yeah, but that back then uh, there were three hour casts. Yeah, when I was hunting. Oh her. yeah, yeah, you said that. Yeah. Yeah, I won. Actually, did I win? I mean, I think I may have won Black in Ten Days with her way back when. Uh, I drove from Savannah, Illinois, which is up in the northwest yeah. corner when I lived up there, and they had Black and Tan Days down here at Flora and. Uh, Black and tan guys will remember this dog, Kirkland and Logan Zip. Mm-hmm. It got right down to the wire, just me and, me and him. 
and I was hunting bell. But like I said back then, cats were three hours. But no, I started out hunting a gray dog. Yeah. In hunts, and then uh, made bell a grand cha- grand night champion, and uh, made Jinx a grand night champion. That was hard to do back then. Yes, it was. It was. Some first place wins just to make night champion sometimes, yes, especially with a trailing type dog. Yeah. You yeah. know, you get into thick coons where a dog's going to, you know, especially with an independent dog. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was because they, so they had to be good at coon training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There weren't a whole lot of independent dogs back then. Yeah. Generally, they treat together. What drew you to uh, the competition aspect of it? Have you always been a competitive guy yeah. in sports and stuff like that? And that just kind of translated over? Yeah. I played football and wrestled in high school. So I had a competitive streak. Yeah. You know, I, I just enjoyed it. And, and, I've always, um, well, I shouldn't say always. There's been a few that I didn't raise and train myself, a very yeah. few. I think uh, maybe three who I didn't I didn't raise and train who. And then there was uh, one that I bought when I first got out of, when I first got back out of college. Um, but those are the only two that I can think of off the top of my head that I actually bought. But I, I just like raising one up training him and taking him out there and let's just compare notes yeah with your so many generations off jinx now with the line of dogs that you're super familiar with you know this these are your dogs uh you're you've you've started a bunch of pumps off jinx and now you're all the way to flex and so you kind of got a pretty good idea i imagine after the first generation or two how these dogs are going to start do you got like a a program do you just every dog's different or do you kind of see in the same things on down through the line you know as time goes on you definitely see things uh, what i tell people is i've said this on the cast like there's nothing that dog can't do that i haven't seen before and i'm not talking about that particular whatever he's doing I'm, what i'm saying is there i don't get any surprises yeah just like getting one started i thought i've seen that before i know what to do or if, you know if if they've got a little kink in them, I've seen that kink before. Yeah. I know how to deal with it. Um, so I don't get very many surprises, which is, you know, some people don't they don't like that type of dog. But personally, that's the kind of dog I pre- I prefer. Yeah, you know, I, I want a trailing dog. There was a guy. Uh, I won't say who it was, but we were hunting on a cast. This was uh, with Trick in Darbydale, Ohio, and it was early March cold snow and i'm hunting against a really really good dog well-known dog and it's just three of us now i mean it's just two dogs but this this guy's walking along on the cast and uh these are the type of dogs they are when i say dinosaur tracks i mean dinosaur tracks she strikes this track and it's cold and snow and crusted over in places she trails this this coon for 35 minutes just down a creek just barking here and there and here. Mm-hmm. And finally he goes, Chris, what's that dog doing? <laughs> and about the time he said that, and this other dog is out there with her, of course she couldn't use the trackers in, and she lets out a big old locate and she hushes. I'm just saying, if she locates again, it's over. Yeah. And then she locates the second time. I said, she's about to show you what she's been doing. <laughs> and uh, we literally walk into this tree, and she's treated every breath like she's looking at it. 
and that dog is walking around the bottom of that tree with his nose down. Mm-hmm. He cannot smell this thing. No. And it's sitting there, bro. Yeah, if you, you know, in the wintertime, they lay outside. Oh, yeah. They'll curl up in a ball and they'll shove their head down to kind of yeah. tuck their nose in. And I said, that's what she's been doing. That's the type of dog that I like. And that's the type of coon that a layup dog's going to lay up. It ain't even going to run a track right, into that. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, a good, but to put it up on the ground yeah. is pretty rare. Yeah. I mean, those dogs don't do that very often. Nope. And just flex, is he. They carry that on through. He's the that type of dog. I, I drew a couple guys last night, and he struck a track. Now I told you he's we're fighting through this Lyme disease thing yeah. with him. He struck a track last night, um, and trailed it and trailed it, trailed it around. Didn't go very very far, a couple hundred yards or so, and he was banging around. He knows that coon's right in there somewhere, and uh, he locates a couple times. Stupid me, I probably should have went ahead and treated him quick, but I didn't. Because I knew if I took a minus, I was yeah. beat. But this other dog comes in there and just locates. I had no clue that dog. I thought he was over there all by himself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we walk in there and we scored this coon. I took second tree on, <laughs> sitting there with my tongue in my mouth. But um, this guy goes, man, that dog did a real job on that lo- on that laid up coon. And I just said, buddy, that's that wasn't a laid up coon. Oh yeah, it was. Oh yeah, it yeah. was. I thought there's no sense in. No sense in me, you know. I'm all right. If you say, but he literally trailed that coon. I mean, in these dry conditions, he can they can get struck and they can they can when they tree, generally they'll have them. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of gamble in them. Well, there's so many different kinds of trailing dogs, too, because there's the and some people ain't gonna know the difference. You know, there's the the dog that's loose barking and he's running all over the world and he's striking a hot track, but he ain't struck. You know, this whole time he's 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 running his mouth and mm-hmm. he trees that coon. That's that's kind of a trailing type dog. There's dogs like Scent who are pretty tight, and she needs a track to tree a coon, but she's also skipping a lot of tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not taking that first track she trees comes to and and grabbing it up and treeing it. She's trying to find the one that she can handle easiest. Yeah. You know, and then she's treeing that coon. So it's tough in these dry conditions with her because sometimes she's so deep before she finds the track she wants. Right. And I've seen her trail those those colder, grubby stuff up, but she just don't want to in a cast. Right. She's worried about opening her mouth up too much and dogs coming to her and things like that. So she's flying around. And normally she's flying around here. Luckily, Monday night we found enough coons. I think there was 100 coons per square acre. That place <laughs> we turned loose, so there's at least one good track. But you talk about these dry conditions and a dog that's going to take a track as it comes to it, you know, it's going to be rough on them. Yeah. And yeah. Just, to, just to tree a couple of coons in a cast like that is not easy. Yeah. And so, but also, those dogs don't make the mistakes that these hot-nosed dogs make or yeah. stuff. They don't draw the minus that those dogs can, can draw. They're not two miles away at the end of the cast where right. you can't get them treated in. Yeah. You know, so there's personal preference. And I, at least you know yours and you can, I'm still just deciding on what I like. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty much set in my ways, but I, I'll never forget. Um, and Jinx is the way I talked about how tra- yeah. trail that, that's, that's, uh, I should say, Flex is just that same dog. Right. I mean, if I took him in, I'll tell you a story. I took, I took Trick one night. This was back in Ohio. I wanted to see just how tough she was and how you know, just how bad the conditions mm-hmm. she could tree a coon in. And I took her hunting. It was seven degrees below zero. 
just I just wanted to see. Yeah. And I turned her loose, and she did strike a track and trail a coon, and I saw it on the outside, seven below. I yeah. mean, but they're just um, they're not picky about their tracks. They don't they don't come across a track and go think I'll go find a better track. Yeah. That's if they come across that track, they're going to work it. Um, don't stand on their heads. I don't put up with that. Yeah. You know. But no, I, I did have to get on flex when he was younger. He was really bad at when he got confused. He'd want to go back and forth, back and yeah. forth, back and forth in one spot. And uh, the way I deal with mine is um, tone means come and vibrate means go. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, if he's if he get in a spot and, you know, I usually hit the stopwatch and I give him about five, six minutes. And then five or six minutes, if they haven't moved from that area, you need to. I'll, I'm gonna send you a text message and let you know yeah. you need to. And but now at this point, after a little bit, they're smart dogs. Um, That's what I was gonna ask you because they, they, a lot of dogs bang around when they're little. Mm-hmm. You know, especially as the seasons changes or the, the the weeds get tall in the summer or the frost first starts hitting. You know, in the fall, and as they get older, it clicks, mm-hmm. and you know they'll figure out what's going on, and, and that all goes away. Do you? And then you already answered my question, I guess. But you will push them some I when will. they're young. Yeah. Well, not when they're babies. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll give them up until they're about thirteen or fourteen months old, um, because to be honest with you, that dog unraveling if he if he unravels that a few times even at 13 or 14 months old he's smart enough to realize okay I'm, yeah. I I can remember what I did you know you can watch them on the Garmin nowadays yeah you'll see him you can see if they're just going back and forth back and forth back and forth in a straight line or if they're starting to swing out you know they'll start making loops mm-hmm. when you see him start making those loops then you know the wheels are turning he's learning yeah. you know he's learning I need to, I can find it if I make a couple half circles, you know, within 30, 40 yards, I'll find out where, you know, so, but that back and forth, back and forth in a straight line, about five minutes of that. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I start them out when they're babies. Um, I tell them get, you know, and I, I just hit that vibrate button. Mm-hmm. And so they, so I don't have to be close to them then. Yeah. I can be five, 600 yards. I always tell people when they ask me any questions about starting pups and it's just because of this podcast and, and some of the dogs that have come out of my place and I'm I'm not a master pup trainer or anything like that but I always just say if you're going to teach them anything teach them to get mm-hmm. teach them to come right that's it yeah everything's so much simpler oh, if man. they know what get means yeah you yeah. know and they can take any kind of you don't have to correct them uh, physically or with an e-call or anything like that if they already know what that means yeah. if they know what you want you know yeah if they come from my house Tone means come. Yeah. Vibrate means go. Yep. That's, that's the same. That's the that's, basics. Yep. Same way know. I do it too. You know, yeah. get means get, come means come, and we can do it with the collar, we can do it with our mouth or whatever, depending on how close I am with the dog. What'd you do before the Garmin if something like that happened? <laughs> uh, it was hard back then. It was tough, man. <laughs> uh, you know, you just, um, I probably, I, I'm sure I've lost a little bit, but I, I was really, really a lot more in tune. You had to use your ears yeah. to tell you what that dog was doing, but um, I hunted them hard enough, and I hunt by myself ninety-five percent of the time. I knew every bark in them. I told guys on the cast one night, uh, it was Shiver. 
or was it Trick? It was one of the two. She was running low down, and there was a tight woven wire fence. I'd never been in this spot before. And I'll, I'll speak out loud when I'm thinking mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And she is driving this track. And she makes a little, that one little funny bark. And I just said, damn, I said, there's a, there's a tight fence in there, ain't it? And this guy looks over at me like, and he, you know, I'm sure there's been guys that treed on that tight yeah. fence. I said, there's a tight fence in there, ain't it? And he kind of looks over at me, you know. He don't want to fess <laughs> up. But she clears that fence and she goes another 75 yards and kapow. Things like that. I mean, I know I can tell you when they're frustrated. When they get frustrated, they can't figure out where it went. Yeah. Or when it's hairy because it's so, you know, they're in a briar thicket. Um, you know, you just, you know, and the thing is, some of those same barks that Jinx had, Flex has. Yeah. So I don't have to relearn the whole process. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. This is when Flex made his first tree ever. Really, treed, treed. I called Chris Allen on the phone. I said, you're not going to believe this. He said, what? I said, this this daggone pup, man. He's, he's in here treed. I said, I could not tell the difference between him and Jinx. That's how much they sound yeah. alike. I mean, that close. And it's been five generations. I told them all, I, I couldn't tell them apart when they were two and a half years old. Five I, generations. Yeah. Sound exactly alike. Sound, ex, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Exactly alike. I know since you've spent so much time with Jinx and obviously Flex, I bet there's just a few little things about their mouth, you know, as far as different barks they'll make. But the layman ain't. If you couldn't tell, yeah. there ain't no way none of us could yeah, tell. Yeah, there's no way I could tell. I could not. <laughs> if they treat together, I couldn't tell you which one no. was which. Do you think that all these years spent with – and normally you just hunt one dog or two dogs. I mean, it ain't like you got a whole kennel full of dogs. No, I got three dogs now. I got Flex and his littermate sister, Moxie. And then I, I got one, um, one little 10-month-old pup that I bought with the plan of breeding it to flex, but yeah. I don't, I'm not having, I don't know if she's going to make the team or not. Right. So I say, you're going to be pretty picky about what you breed to flex. I assume. Yeah. I mean, cause guys like you or me or someone like that, we're just doing it for our pups. Right. You know, we just want another pup out of whether it be con or flex or something like that, you know, so breeding it, breeding that female to a hot male and selling the pups ain't. Nah, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. Nah. And I was just thinking as a side note, and you were talking about how this line of dogs coming off of Jinx uh, is going to take the tracks as they come to them and finish them. Yep. And these big game guys that listen to this podcast are probably going to be calling you because <laughs> <laughs> they love that. You know, I, yeah. I talk to the Brett Vaughns or the Chris's or, or the Shorty Gorham's, and they can't have a dog that skips a track right because there's only one track yeah you know if they're running a line you know there's there's only one line track you can't just go over the ridge and strike a different yeah, line you ain't gonna this find track ain't good 500 yards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i'm gonna have to put you in touch with shorty he's he i'll get get some good dogs out there for you <laughs> well I, i've he's never had a pup i mean yeah i don't know what he yeah. what he'll reproduce i can tell you i had a guy ask me this monday no yesterday um uh, and and it's a guy that an older guy he said do you have any? Actually, two people have asked me recently if I had or froze any mm-hmm. semen off of Jinx, and I said, "I said no, man. I said that's probably the biggest mistake I ever made in my yeah. my coon hunting life was not getting him collected. Yeah, um, it'd be worth its weight in gold 
if I had some. He was a real, but, I mean, he was a real reproducer, but he came from an entire litter. Yeah. There was five pups in that litter, and all five of those pups, well, there was one, I think, that got lost someplace yeah. or died early, but there was Jinx, Little Man, Boss Man, and uh, I can't remember the name of the other two. There was only five of them. They were all coon dogs, yeah. and they were all, and this is my opinion, um, they were all the same dog. Really? All of them. Yeah. Um, them special litters like that are pretty rare, and it seems like when those litters do happen, those dogs are a lot alike. Yes. Every litter mate is a lot alike on those special litters like that. Yeah. The 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 few times that I think me and John, me and Bassett, he was running little man. We didn't draw each other very many times, fortunately, uh, because we couldn't tell them apart. Yeah. So we get it, you know, we'd be on each other. Like, you striking little man. I'm not striking. That's Jinx. <laughs> yeah. Well, you struck Jinx. That's not hell. <laughs> yeah. But, um, my, if you guys can't tell them apart, the nobody. Judge definitely oh no, ain't going no, they to. were they were lost. Yeah. But um, my uh, this is one golden rule that that I've always gone by when it comes to breeding dogs, is uh, a dog is going to produce the average of his litter. Yeah, he's not. You don't look at that dog to produce what he is. Yeah, I will always. Well, I should say always. Often say, tell me about his litter mates. Yeah. Because if if that litter is consistent, then your chances go way up of that dog being a reproducer. If he's the only one in that litter like him, chances are you're going to get what his brother or sister yep. was. Yep. Well, you figure, and I'm no, no geneticist, but, I mean, I agree with you on, on the litter aspect. I never thought of it as... You know, a dog's going to only reproduce the average of his litter. I never thought of it in those terms. And, and that's not a set rule. That's no, just, but, um, just I, on makes, average, yeah. that's what he's going to do, yeah, in my it opinion. It makes perfect sense to me, but that's a rule that a lot of people, a lot of old houndsmen go by. You know, how good is the litter? You know, I like I like breeding females out of good litters, or yeah. I like having males as studs that were out of good litters. Yep. And so it's an interesting, I mean, Kurt has been on here. He likes dogs with good litters. I, a bunch of people that have been on this podcast have said the same exact thing. But the way you put it is a unique way of looking at it that I've never looked at it like that before. It makes perfect sense. Well, I mean, it's just that's just one man's opinion. Yeah, you know that's what the they're like. The wisdom of Chris writing it down. <laughs> yeah, writing it down right now. <laughs> might want to erase it after a while. <laughs> I ain't won a thing this week. <laughs> but hey, it's hard to win out here. It is tough. Yeah, it I is mean, very it, tough. It's not. I come out here last year with rain. And I remember I told Finley before we left, this is our best chance to win a world hunt we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Her and Scent were both just cock-locked, ready to rock, looked as good as they've ever looked coming into a hunt. And I hunted her four nights with zero cast wins. Wow. You know, and it's just, it was tough. It wasn't because she looked bad. Just not catching the break. I didn't catch some breaks. And then there were times where other dogs just looked better than her no matter how good she looked. Right. You know, and that just happens. And so, you know, people don't understand, I don't think, you know, at a lower level as compared to this, how how difficult it is to win out here. It is very, very difficult. And I'll tell you, this is just my opinion. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, this is a good class of dogs that are here. Mm -hmm. But but the caliber of dogs back in like 94, 95 in Aurora was amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've there was that. just there was just not any slouches 
there. Yeah. I mean, every single cast you drew, there was three of them there was like on your cast that was for real. Um, now, here you might, there might be one other one on the cast you yeah. gotta beat, maybe two, but not three other ones, you know? Um, but it's still very, very difficult. I brought Trick, this would have been from about 90, uh, I don't know, 94 and then 96 or something. There was a three year span where she won nine early rounds in three years. Really? And it, and couldn't get a late round one. Yeah. And she was actually a better late round dog, more suited for a late round. Uh, her one her one weakness would be she could not trail late or would not trail late yeah. a coon. But you would think a trailing dog that can trail a dinosaur track, you know, that's a late round. That's what you want. Unless you especially, draw a late. Especially in Aurora. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she finally she finally did double up. Um I think it was the second year I brought her or something. Yeah. Um, but it's just, like I said, man, it's tough. It is tough. You know, you get that early round win, you're like, oh, here we go. Yep. And then you go out there on the late round, it's like, dang, nabbit. Hey, I'm the, 0 for my last 10 in late Really? Round. 0 for 10. I won two or at least down at Miami. Zones couldn't win a late round. Gosh. 0 for my last 10. Mm, man, that would be <laughs> tough. Oof. With uh, three different dogs, four different dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, like you said, it's tough. It is tough. Law averages, now I can't win an early this week. I can't even test if my law averages idea is going to work or not. <laughs> In I, theory, I can't lose 11. <laughs> I brought flex last year. I think I won two earlies last yeah. year. Got beat late both times. And then this year, I, I, well, I got beat on the tiebreaker last night, but it's neither here nor there. But it's like, I may not win an early this year. Yeah. You know? What about... You said back in Aurora in the 90s and the dogs were tough. How has the style of dog changed from then until now? Are they pretty similar or are they different type dogs? Um, close. Probably uh, you see a lot more man-made. You know, I could tell those ones that, where they've been worked on yeah. as far as being trying to be loners. I call them, you know, they'll, they'll sell up and get a little jealous sometime. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, bigger, faster hunting dogs. That would be that would be what I yeah. would say. You know, they they'll drop in there. They may run four hundred yards for they ever think about starting to hunt. Yeah. Whereas down there, well, in a, in Aurora, that wasn't such a bad thing. Yeah. Unless you got lucky and got one of them few guys where you're gonna draw mm -hmm. three three coon on a cast. Um, here in Aurora, I mean here in Salem, that dog that wants to drop in there eight nine hundred before he ever starts thinking about hunting, he's in bad spot. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm going to get struck and treed before you do, and I'm going to get recast before you before get treed. Get to. Yeah. So, what about uh, the independent side of it? And you said you're, you're running into a few more man-made dogs, and I do agree with that definitely. But Garmin's and stuff have got to play into that. Yeah. We couldn't make man-made dogs like we can right now. No, no. It. They uh, and yeah, typically you can tell that one has been worked on. I call it taking pictures. They'll come in around that tree. Yeah. 40, 50 yards. And, you know, 
Pilf around. Taking pictures, I like that. Cheerleading, taking pictures. Good job. What you got over there? What you got over there? I ain't going to come in, but what you got over there? I just wondering what's going on over there. I was kind of coming around to check things out, but I know... I know the boss man is not gonna be happy, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but like I said, with the with before the Garmin, you couldn't you couldn't do anything about that. Yeah. Um, but nowadays they can, you know, and then sit there and teach them what go means, or send them a text message and yeah. say get on someplace. And I think, I mean it's a blessing and a curse because now you don't know. Which you guys like you can tell, you yeah. know, if a dog's man made or if it ain't. But a guy reading a stud ad can't. Nope, he can't. You know, and then he gets one, and it's a party animal, as I yeah. like to call them. Yeah, you know, you you can't, you they won't. I I I won't say what this pup was out of, but I raised a pup here a little bit ago. Um, and dude, you could cover whatever was on the ground she was with with a blanket. Yeah, and I don't, you know, typically whatever's at my house is but born at my house. I couldn't stand it. It drove no. me nuts. It drove me nuts. I just like, you know, I don't care if they're not doing anything. I want them over in left field. Yeah. Alone. But she'd be right there with it. I mean, just shadowing it. Oh. Every time I unsnap a young dog, a pup, six, seven, eight months old, when they're just getting around good enough where they can really keep up, mm-hmm. and you wash them two deals on that Garmin. Yeah. Leapfrogging each other where they're just right there. And then yeah. as soon as that old dog, I hate that. I mean, yeah. I, I'm done immediately. Yep. If you follow that dog for 600, 700 yards, and then it gets treed and you sit there and stare at it when you're six months oh, old, gosh. they don't come out of that. That's, no. the, that's the way that dog was born. I just sold one that was actually out of my stuff, out of a dead loner of a dad, natural dead loner. His, his granddad was good about being by himself. He would cover some, but it was just when he got out treed on the same track, which mm-hmm. didn't bother me too bad. He was by himself a good majority of the time. And this pup was born... The most likable dog on the planet. And everybody liked him, and he liked everybody. Right. He's <laughs> a party know? animal. He was. That's, That's exactly what he was. And a good coon dog by himself. I mean, all right. I mean, you could just tree the fire out of coons with him by himself, but he was going to be with something. Right. And I couldn't stand it either. Guys that bought him off of him love me, or love him, and good well, for them. Well, and, you know, yeah. there's, I mean, a few people I hunt with, some of them are like, I just assume he did get something. And all of mine, I tell people this, so, it's just I have my preference, but all of mine and some of yours is hard to beat on yeah. the cast. Yeah. Now Shiver was a all of mine and some of yours dog. Yeah. But she was also a some of yours only if you had a coon. Right. If you didn't have a coon, you she'd never pull a bark. Yep. And she wouldn't break her neck if she didn't have anything going on. She'd come over and check things out if she was in the area. Yeah. And I'd just stand there, and but of course we didn't have garments in, but I'd hear her locate. He's got a coon. Yeah. But if I didn't hear her locate, I thought, uh-oh. I think a dog that will only cover a coon is a hundred times more rare than a dead loner. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because normally will... if a dog's going to cover, it ain't just because it's got a coon. Right. You're you know? right. You don't you, that you never see that, especially now. Yeah, you used to see it back in the day quite a bit. You know, 15, 20 years ago, you'd see a dog that would just cover a coon because they were used to packing up together a lot. Right, I think, you know. But anymore, a dog. If I had a dog that would only cover coons mm-hmm. and still tree its own, who knows what you could do with it in today's age where these dogs are weirded out by being backed and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you'd be poisoning a cat. Yeah, she was. She was. Yeah. She was in all of mine. Some of yours. 
dog. Yeah. But I didn't have to worry about I it used to get me over a lot because if she went in there and never pulled a bark, then I knew and she knew. Yeah. There's a coon around here someplace. This dog missed it. I'm going to find it. And she would find it. But then I had to worry about, what if that joker moves? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. she, she yeah. trees 40, 50 yards over there, and he slides yeah. over. If we're if we're at a distance, and yeah. we're never, they're never the wiser. But that'd be a handy gauge, you know. Some dog's in there treed and can beat you, and yours is in there and knows it doesn't have a coon. You don't have to worry. You don't I have wouldn't to take worry. any chances or I nothing like worry. that, you know. Yeah. She was a dog that taught me uh, her and trick. Um, I didn't worry about whether or not they had a coon. I worried about whether or not I could find the right. coon. Right. That's that's how deadly accurate those yeah. two were. They hey, were they were more accurate than Jinx was even. Do you think these dogs right now? I know these dogs right now as a whole are more accurate than they were ten years ago. Probably. I don't know about. I mean, because everything goes through cycles. You know, when some of those the bigger stud dogs and they were backing females up, and the reason a lot of these big stud dogs back in the late 90s, early 2000s, even mid-90s, some of them, uh, were such big stud dogs is because all their pups treed, natural tree dogs. Mm -hmm. And everybody's wanting natural tree dogs because they are easier to start. Yeah. You know, you don't have to listen to Flex go out here and run all night. And, you know, you can make a couple bad trees and a couple good trees and your pup's doing good and you're happy to be treeing coons. Right. So them guys love them dogs. You know, they love dogs like that. But I think uh, we've kind of gotten away from that to where dogs like yours and, and some of the wipeout stuff and, of course, some of the trader stuff, and they are tra more trailing-type dogs, and I think they are more accurate. I mean, it ain't very many casts right now where a dog gets over here treed by itself, and I don't think it's got a coon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, my thoughts are... Uh, the reasons that a lot of dogs now don't get me wrong there are just some natural born wood monsters out mm -hmm. there but the reasons that you get a lot of slick trees true slick trees not squirrel trees yeah. but true slick trees are because the dog can't figure out where the track went yeah that's why he's treeing he gets frustrated and finally he just throws out the anchor because he's he just he can't trail up a coon he yeah. can't run a track you know what i'm saying well any dog can run a track but he strikes a mediocre track in conditions like we got here. He gets frustrated and he yeah. trees. I may be wrong, but that's just my no, thoughts. I don't think you are. I mean, you track dogs are good. Track dogs are more accurate. Yeah. I mean, that's even yeah. a good layup dog is going to miss some. Yeah. Swirling wind. Yeah. You know, all kinds of different things can affect a layup. But there's only one track up a tree if you're running one track. Yes, sir. So they're going to have it more often than not. Yeah. They also, you know, it's a double-edged sword because sometimes you need to make a tree and you need a dog to take a gamble. Yeah. And they don't do it. They just, they are, it's like sometimes I'm like, man, I wish you would please make a tree, please. <laughs> you know, they ain't got no gamble in them. I yeah. won't say they don't have any gamble in them, but they don't tree just a tree and they don't tree just because they're frustrated. Yeah. They may miss it. Sometimes they will. All dogs will miss it. If they never miss, my philosophy is they're not making enough trees. Yeah. If they don't ever miss. Yeah. They're missing coon if they don't ever miss. They got to have a little gamble in them. Yeah. But there's times I wish mine had a little more. You've been, we talked about Aurora in the mid-90s and all this stuff, and you've judged a bunch of cats too. Yep. 
uh, you're one of the the well more well known judges. You know, you've judged a lot of a lot of late rounds at the World Hunt quarterfinal, semifinal. Have you ever judged a final? Yes, I have. Yeah, I thought yep. you judged a final. What is the absolute best performance you've ever seen in a cast? Oh man, that's a tough question. Gosh, boy, I'd have to think about that one. I have a terrible memory, but the best. We'll have to come back to that one. Right. I, I'm gonna have to think about it. that's that's one of those that's like, man, give me some questions in advance. I, <laughs> I'd have had to go back through all the cast that I've that I have judged. That's a lot. That's a lot of cast, not just judged, but handled in and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, that's a lot to keep track of. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. What about uh, favorite dog? Uh, my personal favorite of mine uh, would have been Shiver. Yeah. Um, no, you know I take that back. Trick. Not Jinx? No. Trick. How come? Um, Trick was Trick was like Jinx in the way that she was just she was gonna give you she would hunt on two, on two legs, and uh, you never could hunt her down. And like I tell you, I took her hunting. It was yeah. seven below, and she she was. I'd pull my truck back to my pen and open her kennel up, and she was like, "Let's go, boss." Um, you know, never say no kind of yeah. dog. And uh, so she would have been my favorite. Um, but as far as winning, Shiver really. But Shiver was very, very, very sensitive. Not sensitive very smart and she paid very close attention to me yeah um what i i didn't realize it at the time i do know it now that if i was nervous she was nervous mm -hmm. she never wanted to be in trouble with me yeah trick didn't care jinx was that way flex is that way they don't care yeah. they don't care what kind of mood i'm in <laughs> but shiver did yeah so and that you know when when you get down to the I think it was at the Nationals, and we were a heads-up cast, and I was just as nervous as could be, and she knew I was yeah. nervous, and that made her nervous. So, but so yeah, trick would be. But I'm a female guy. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you yeah. that. That was yeah. going to be one of my next questions because yeah. you've had good males too. Yeah, I've only had a couple, um, Jinx, and Flex. Yeah, um, I can't think. Well, I had who, but I bought him. Um, but other than that, I want females. Because my philosophy is, if I own a female, if I own a female, I control my own destiny. Yeah. Uh, people say, "Oh man, females that come in heat, you know, every six months or you know whatever." Yeah. I was like, "Okay." I was like, "But you, well, you know something, a male's in heat 365 yeah. days a year. Females don't have near as much to deal with in a cast. Nope, nope, they and, just don't. And I control my own destiny with a female. Yeah. If I hunt against a dog and I'm like, hmm. That joker impressed me. Yeah. Then I'll say, hey, bud, what's that dog out of? You, you know anything about his litter mates? Yeah. Um, what would you think about breeding that dog? Yeah. You know, and then some guys say, well, I don't want to breed him. Eh, no problem. How about we go hunting and I'll bring over and we'll go hunting? Yeah. That usually changes your mind. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I don't know very many guys with a male dog that won't want to breed a good quality female. Yeah. Even when they don't want to breed a female. Right, right. You know? And, and you know, they don't have to live breed them. They don't have to cover them. We take to the vet and have him collected and do yeah. AI. If, you know, if that's what you're thinking. But, yeah, I, I prefer females. But uh, my favorite would have been Trick. Um, you said that uh, 
uh, Flex and and Jinx and all them didn't care. They weren't as sensitive as yeah. Shiver, you know. Right. But I'm guessing the houndsmen that you are, these are dogs that weren't dumb. No. You know, they yeah. just had a little something different in there mentally as far as not caring as much about what you were thinking. Because, I mean, when we associate dogs with all the drive, you know, a lot of it, because it's hard to get drive and intelligence yeah. in the same dog. Right. We all look for that. But, you know, aggravating dogs are dumb. Yeah. You know, and dumb dogs got drive too, just like a lot of them. And you, you can't really take it out of them because they're dumb. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But we also got to live with these things. Yeah. So I know I'm guessing Flex, Jinx, all these dogs with all that drive still had brains too. Yeah. Very, very, very yeah. smart. Very smart. Yeah. Sometimes too smart. Yeah. So you got to, um, um, when you go to correcting one, um, you need to think about what you're doing before you do it because chances are it's going to stick with them. Yeah. So if you if you make a bad correction, you may spend a month fixing that problem that you didn't have because yeah. they're thinking about it the next time. We've all done that too. I mean, it's a that's a just a it's a, that's a, such a common mistake. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It's just you know when it comes to uh, teaching one or correction. I tell people, you know, you can teach a dog a lot of things, but you can only teach him one thing at a time. Yeah. You you go to, if you make three corrections in a night of hunting for three different things, that dog is confused. Yeah. If you're going to make three corrections, two out of the three, preferably three out of three, better be for the same thing on that night. Yeah. Instead of three different things, because if he's a smart dog, He's thinking about that correction, but he's like, well, what, you know, everything I do is wrong. Yeah. So. And then I know with Khan, who was so fast, everything was so fast. You know, he went from being a baby pup and running around the yard to all of a sudden, I think this dog's going to win super stakes, you know, in like a month. Right. (laughs) Well, then you get to treat them that way. You know, when they're, they're 10, 11, 12 months old and they've already got you know, 150 coons under their belt and you start treating them like that five-year-old. And I mean, I'm just about train wrecked him and to the point he he is not going to be back in a cast. He's still a really good coon dog. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll ever get him back in a cast again, but that was all me. That's my fault, you know? And so you live and you learn and got to let them be pups. Um, when Shiver, when she was young and she, she was an early starter that was, um, I could see, man, she's special. Yeah. And, uh, buddy and I said man are you gonna take her to the super stakes I said nope he said why not I said what am I gonna do take her to the super stakes of course didn't pay a whole lot then I said I mean this one's got potential mm-hmm. I said I risk ruining this thing for that that could be you know yep. uh, I mean a stone cold killer to try and win the super stakes I was like I just soon polish her up get her another year under a belt let her settle in a little bit before I get her all head all rattled. And, and so I didn't. Um, and I believe, honestly, that's that's ruined a lot of the young dogs. Yeah. Guys just push them so hard when they're babies. Hey, man, just let them grow up. You know, Them dogs that seem finished as a one-year-old aren't finished mentally. No, no. no. They've got all the tools. And, yeah, they're doing the same things a lot of good four- and five-year-olds would do, but they ain't finished mentally. Not even close. No. And I mean, I look at some of these dogs that win long term, and I've struggled winning long term with the same dog. 
Uh, I make mistakes. I'll burn them out. Jed does the same thing. I mean, we run through dogs like, you know, toilet paper sometimes at a Taco Bell. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Yeah. And yeah. so we gotta we gotta get some longevity out of them. And the females we don't. That's back to my original point. The females we don't have that trouble. Yeah. You know, the females seem like they got less to deal with on top of us. Yeah. You know, the males got to deal with all their testosterone oh, and yeah. all their hormones and. They're going to be fighting, and they're most of these dogs are dead loners, and they don't want nothing coming in with them, and they're dealing with that, and you know it's just those male dogs. They come out of the box looking around, see who's there. Yeah, you know what's this one? What's that one? A female comes out of the box, she doesn't care. No, wag, she couldn't wag care less. Tail, happy, just regular. You know, she's on. <laughs> yeah. She's on a mission. That male dog in the back of his mind, he's thinking, okay, so. Uh, I don't like the looks of him, and <laughs> yeah. you know this one here. He wants to come over here, and he's gonna piss on that bush. Yeah. So I'm gonna piss. The females like I'm not worried about you yeah. guys. You watch a bunch of girls at a bachelor party go into a bar, and then watch the watch the other watch the guys walk into a bar. It's exactly. the same thing. Yeah, you know it's the same thing. Yeah. But well, Chris, man, I appreciate you sitting down with me. Yeah, it was fun. It was. You fun. said it would be fun. I, I was told like, you. Man, I don't. You said oh, it'd be fun. Yeah. I think me and you have visited enough. I figured this one was going to go pretty smooth, you yeah, know. So yeah. and it did. Yeah. I think it went really well. I got I picked up a lot. Well, and you always got to be humble in this. Yeah, you, know, you always got to learn. <laughs> Even, I mean, I I learned from guys like Kurt. Kurt said things to me, and I've known Kurt since I was sixteen years old. And he said things to me during this podcast, and I'm over there nodding my head. I'm like, why didn't he tell me this twenty years ago? <laughs> right, <laughs> this makes sense. You know, <laughs> could have saved myself yeah, a whole lot of heartache. I could have used that, and so. But no, I really appreciate you sitting down. Uh, we'll do it again sometime. Okay, yeah. I got other stuff to add. Believe me. Well, uh, one one thing I wanted to say is yeah, that, say uh, whatever you need. Uh, a lot of guys don't won't remember Emmett Brohart, but man, that dude treated me like a son. Yeah, he he really took me under his wing. I mean, of course, he was the first. He owned the first real coon dog that I yeah. hunted with. But I'll, I'll tell you a quick Emmett story. Yeah, I mean, he was a dandy. Emmett was. Yeah. You had to know him, but you know he had uh, he had the, what, the mule chaps and some yeah. other stuff. But he he was a salesman. Now don't get me wrong. He's what I call West Virginia hustler. <laughs> but um, we'd been, he he drug me around to these hunts. You know, I'm I'm just walking along on cast with him, and you know I'm all gung ho. I, I want you know I mean, he says he says Chris, he says you know you've been walking along on these casts with me, and I hadn't been on very many, probably half a dozen yeah. or so. He says, the only way you're going to learn this thing is to do it yourself. <clears throat> I didn't have a dog. I had Belle, but she was 10, 11 months yeah. old. And uh, we went over to Indiana. He says, uh, there was some great big, well, it was all UK. He says, because uh, we're going to go to this hunt this night, you know. I'm, I'm not thinking anything of it. We're going to go to this hunt, Chris. He says, the only thing you're going to, one way you're going to learn about these cats is do it. He says, so tonight you're going to hunt Bo. I said, Bo. And he had a dog he called I-79 Bo. Now, you got to realize, I've never hunted any cast before. <laughs> and Bo is a Grand Knight champion. So, you know, and back then, that was a big deal. That was the big trophy. Now, the names I'm about to tell you, uh, a lot. Of, some of these young guys may not remember, but yeah. a, a lot of guys will. This was the cast of dogs that I, my first ever cast, three-hour cast. Uh, Russ Beller hunting Kentucky River Buck. <laughs> Charlie Shortridge hunting Shortridge's Queen was a plot dog. Yep. And Nathan Hammonds hunting Lookout Luke. 
That was the very first cast I ever hunted on. And uh, man, he just laughs. Hey, if a dog's going to pick up nerves, I bet the dog was picking it up oh, on that man. cat. Dude, I was beat before I left the clubhouse, yeah. man. But he laughed. He said, oh, he goes. He says, yep. He says, you're going to get an education tonight. <laughs> That's what they told me. And he was right. I did. But, yeah. you know, I was I was, I was, was sprung then, man. I, I went on that cast. And, of course, I didn't win. But I did I did learn a little yeah. bit. So, but. That's a good one to close on, but I didn't want to do this without giving Emmett his due, man. He uh, well, there's an important le lesson there, Chris, because everyone needs someone to take them under their wing in this. Yep. You know, here's a here's a kid from Brooklyn that moves out to Ohio and picks up coon dogs, and and he's got a mentor like that, and that's why. I mean, that's why we we need to make sure and pass this on to somebody. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. it's not going to be around no more. That's right. You know, we want more Chris Saunders. We want more kids from Brooklyn to come out here and buy them a hound dog, you know, and do yeah. stuff like that. And they can't do it without some help. Yeah, it's it, it'll save a whole lot. It's a lot easier. You get a lot less discouraged um, if you got somebody to kind of take yeah. you under their wing versus going cold like I did. Yeah. But, you know, I, I shouldn't say go cold because once I got Bell, you know, and met Emmett, well, then I was off to the yeah. races. Yeah, so. and some kids are like you, and they're just going to do it. Yeah. You know, they see it, and they love it, and they're going to do it. They'll spend nine months chasing an English dog. They won't stay <laughs> treat two for five minutes. <laughs> treat two coons yeah. in a year. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, let's go get these dogs entered up. All right, man. I appreciate it, buddy. I enjoyed it. All right, this is Josh Michaelis with The Truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network, and we appreciate you listening. <laughs>